Hello, hello. Good evening, good evening. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and it is a little after nine o'clock here in Oklahoma. Um, I just got done exercising, so I'm still a little out of breath. I just completed some hit training. I think it's high intensity interval training, is how they say it. Um, but I do like to exercise, so that's always a good thing. And I'm still kind of fanning myself off a little bit. Um, but anyway, I tried to record this earlier, and I kind of felt like I got sidetracked. So I wanted to make sure that was I was more um, precise. And what I was talking about, so I deleted that episode or that recording, and so I wanted to redo it and just kind of let it flow through the spirit, as they say. So I'm going to be taking a look at Exodus chapter four, and I am in the Bible, the Leadership Bible, the New International Version. This is one of my favorites, as well as the King James Version. Um, so we are starting in chapter four, and we're going to go down to uh, verse seven or eight is where we're going to end up. So let me go ahead and read this to you. So starting with chapter one, it says Moses answered, "What if they do not believe me or or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you?" Then the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" A staff, he replied. The Lord said, "Throw it on the ground." Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, "Reach out your hand and take it by the tail." So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, "Put your hand inside your cloak." So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak," he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. What really got my attention about this part is, first of all, it's it's a dialogue. It's an actual communication, an actual documented conversation, where Moses. And our heavenly Father are talking to each other. They're conversing. So the Lord um, Jesus, or sorry, well, technically would be Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But Jesus had not been born yet, even though Jesus was there. He was with the Word in the beginning of uh, creation and everything along those lines. But God and Moses are having a conversation, and so God had been speaking to Moses, and Moses answered, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me?" And say the Lord did not appear to you. What Moses is referring to is he's referring to the Israelites. You know, what am I supposed to say to these people? You know, how how can I prove that I am sent by you and I have been called to help you? You know, to help the Israelites. So God is responding to him, and he says, "Then the Lord said to him, 'What is that in your hand?'" Moses replies, "A staff." The Lord said, "Throw it on the ground." So here we see where Moses asked a question, and you you can kind of tell from the question that he asked because it starts with "What if?" What if they do not believe me or listen to me? So he's doubting his ability. He's doubting that these people will believe him, even though they are his own people. But he has not seen them for many years. Because if you remember, Moses 
when he was a prince of Egypt, when he found out that he was Hebrew, he was an Israelite, and that his people are being maltreated by the Egyptians, when he saw an Egyptian maltreating one of his brethren, he killed the Egyptian thinking that he was doing the right thing, but he was not. He was outside of God's timing. And so Moses had to flee for his life. He had to flee Egypt and go out into the wilderness, into the desert, and he came across a well. He he defended some ladies from some really horrible shepherds that were trying to steal their well, steal their water, and be cruel and hateful to their sheep. Moses defended these young women and he ended up marrying one of them. And so he is out in this desert somewhat at the base of this mountain at the holy mountain of God. He's he is shepherding sheep along with his father-in-law and his wife as well. She's a shepherdess. That was their way of life, the complete opposite of being in a royal palace in Egypt. And so Moses is asking, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? So Moses he he's out there in the wilderness, but he's at the base of the holy mountain of God. And him and God are having a conversation. And it's obvious that just from the beginning of his question when he says what if, that word if is very dangerous to us as people because the word if creates doubt. And whenever someone says, "Well, what if this?" you know, it's almost like a child. "Well, mom, what if this?" "Well, dad, what if this?" "If I did this, would this happen? If I did that, would this happen? What if the dog did this? What if the cat did that? You know, what if I made an F on my test? Would you ground me?" You know, things like that. Like there's that there's that sense of doubt, that lack of courage. Well, our heavenly Father spotted that immediately. He knows Moses's heart. He knows his mind, his will, his emotions. He created him. And so the Lord is very patient with us. Sometimes we forget that the Lord understands that we are human and they and that we are flawed. We are not perfect. And so when we're having doubts, what I like about what Moses did is instead of hiding his doubt, He was pretty blunt about it. He just asked God, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me?" He just followed asked him, "What do I do if this situation happens?" He he didn't lie to God and say, "Oh, yeah, I I I'm definitely courageous. I can handle it. I'm good. Thank you." No, he didn't hide that from God. That's what made Moses the chosen one for this particular uh, particular assignment to free God's people from the stranglehold of Pharaoh because God needed someone that was willing to admit he was not perfect because one of the worst leaders is someone who blatantly lies to himself and lies to his people but Moses He wasn't lying to himself. He wasn't lying to his people and he for sure was not lying to God when he said, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me?" So Moses right there has some doubt. But he's being honest about it cuz he's asking God, "What do I do in this situation?" And he lists something very specific. So something obviously was on his mind. And it says, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, 'The Lord did not appear to you?'" So right there we know for a fact if we didn't already know from reading God's holy word that the Lord did appear to Moses. But Moses 
knows how people can be. He knows that especially these kind of people can be stiff-necked. They can kind of be a little rebellious and he's concerned that they won't believe him. Because he hasn't been around his people for many years because he had to flee for his life. Like he had to flee for his life because if the Egyptians had caught him, they I don't think they had trials back then. I think they would have just executed you quickly for killing someone, for killing an Egyptian. And also they had found out that he was Hebrew. He he was an Israelite. So that was even worse. So that's why Moses is concerned that these people won't listen to him or believe him because they will pretty much know and somewhat remember who he was and now who he is. That's what he's concerned about. Goes on to say, then the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" So instead of the Lord getting mad, he just asks a simple question, "What is that in your hand?" Sometimes we we get too fearful of God. And we think that he's going to be mean, he's going to be hateful, he's not going to understand us, and it is the direct opposite of what we think or feel sometimes. Because Moses could have just walked away or run away from God, but he didn't. He actually waited for an answer from God, which is technically how we should be praying. You know, whenever we're asking God for help, we need to ask him for help and then be silent. Give God a chance to to say something to us because he wants to speak to us. And God does speak to us even to this day. Even though we are reading from Old Testament times, God is still very much relevant in our lives and he very much wants to guide us, wants to speak to us. That's why he's so patient with us. He's not going to slap our hand. He's not going to be mean to us like some weird step-parent. That's not how our father, our heavenly father operates. Our heavenly father is a heavenly father. So sometimes we can get caught in the trap of thinking that that God is like a bad father figure when he's not. He's the best father figure. So always go to him just like Moses is doing here. He's basically admitting to God that he's not sure about this assignment. And and he's not sure if if he can handle it. and he's not sure if he's the best person for the job. That that shows doubt, but it also shows him being humble and that he's willing to accept and embrace God's advice and wisdom. Cuz that's actually a really good thing to do to seek advice from the one who always gives perfect advice. So, it goes on to say, then the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" A very matter-of-fact question. Moses replies, "A staff." The Lord said, "Throw it on the ground." So again, the Lord's not mad at him. He's trying to teach him something. He's very patient with him. He's walking him through how to develop courage and how to hold on to that courage. It goes on to say, "Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it." So notice here that Moses recognized harm. He recognized danger and he ran from it. But he did not run from God because God is not danger. He's not threatening. He's not vicious. Moses stayed close to God, but he wisely ran from the snake because he realized that it was definitely a threat. 
goes on to say, then the Lord said to him, again, the Lord is talking to him. He's not scolding him. He's coaching him. He's teaching him. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. That's a pretty strong request, right? So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Now that is such true obedience. Moses did what the Lord said and against his feelings and emotions and against his own natural human judgment. Nobody in their right mind would reach out and grab a snake by its tail. No one would do that. Cuz that's not something you do with a snake. And Moses knew that. He was out in the wilderness. He had been shepherding sheep out there for a long time. Snakes were a problem cuz it's the wilderness. They probably had some venomous snakes out there. It was probably a threat to the people that lived out there and their tents. And also, it was probably a threat to their sheep. So they were aware of the dangers out there. But regardless of what Moses knew in the natural, what he knew in his human mind, he knew that if God told him to do something, he could trust him to save him. So Moses put his faith and God not in the situation. Oftentimes we put our faith in what we see, hear and feel. And then that creates doubt, worry and fear in regards to our faith and how we view God. But Moses didn't do that here. It says so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Now that's a miracle in itself right there that this staff, this piece of wood, its molecular structure was completely changed into a snake that could have hurt him, could have killed him, could have greatly wounded him. And then the snake, its molecular structure completely changes back to its original form into a staff, basically into a piece of wood. That is the amazing power and goodness of God. See, God he can defeat any of our enemies. He can defeat all of our enemies. He can turn our enemies that, you know, you know for the analogy, our our vicious viper snake-like enemies, he can turn them into something completely harmless and then we won't have to be fearful of it at all and we we'll just look at our enemy and say that's all I was scared of a staff a piece of wood god can take what was meant for our harm and turn it into good that's the goodness of our god that's the love of our god it goes on to say this said the lord is so that they may believe that the lord the god of their fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob has appeared to you So right here God is mentioning he's referencing a covenant a promise that he made to Abraham many 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 years before this uh dialogue is taking place between Moses and God the reason why God mentions this he mentions the covenant when he says the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob the reason why he he recalls this and he says this is because he knows the israelites 
will know and remember immediately this covenant because they know their father Abraham. And they know that they worship the God of Abraham because they know that they are the descendants of Abraham just like you and I in Christ Jesus. We are the descendants of Abraham if we are believers in Christ Jesus because when we are believers in Christ Jesus we are brought into God's holy family. That makes us direct I would say we're almost like the future ancestors of these peoples because we were brought into the family through Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, then the Lord said, "Put your hand inside your cloak." So again, God is coaching him, he's training him, he's teaching Moses to be completely reliant upon him. Not himself, not his human understanding, but in God's understanding of things. Because God's ways are better than our ways. That's what God is trying to get across to Moses, but he's taking him step by step with it, which is what we all need. God is never going to give us more than we can handle. So just when you think a situation is over your head, just remember that is a golden opportunity to be successful. And if something seems really difficult, don't worry about it. Take it up with God. Ask God to help you through it, and He will. He always has, and He always will. But you have to ask for help. You have to seek His guidance, because God's a gentleman. If you don't go to Him and seek His advice, He's not going to push Himself on you. He's not going to. just invade your brain and be, you know, bombastic and yelling at you. That that would be Satan does that. The evil one loves to really manipulate our brain. God never does that. God wants us to go to him because he gave us the ability to have free will. Meaning either we can choose to have a relationship with God or we can choose not to have a relationship with God. It is completely up to us as an individual. So it goes on to say, then the Lord said, "Put your hand inside your cloak." So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. So still going on here is an active conversation between God and Moses. This is exactly the kind of conversations we should be having with God. We should be going to him with our request, our situations, our fears, our doubts, our worries, and we should give God a chance to build us up, to help us, to give us advice. That's what God is doing here. What's also interesting is that Moses did what God said to do. He put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin on his hand was leprous. it had become as white as snow now what we may not realize is that leprosy is a highly contagious disease that was considered a punishment back then it was considered a curse back in biblical times leprosy still is a problem in our world but not in the united states not in first world or developed countries it is still very much a problem in third world countries and underdeveloped countries and that's due to their governments being corrupt, lack of education, and lack of medical supplies and lack of medical professionals. That's the biggest reason because we do have cures for it. We do have medications and treatments for it. But 
you know, we 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 forget that just how bad leprosy was back then. Leprosy can turn a black person's skin white. Cuz that's what the disease does. You know, I am fair skinned for the most part. I mean, I tan easily, but if I were to contract leprosy, my skin would turn super white. It will turn your skin white. And also, it can make your skin fall off. That's what makes it so dangerous is that your nose can fall off, your hands can fall off, your fingers can fall off, your toes can fall off. It's a very serious disease. And so back in biblical times when someone had leprosy, they had to yell unclean unclean if someone were to approach them. And also if you had leprosy, you had to live outside of the village or of the town of the city that you lived in and you were not allowed to see your family anymore. Your family really could not even come and see you except to drop food near you. You know, a lot of uh, leper colonies is what they called them. They lived in caves. They were ostracized. They never saw their families again unless by a miracle they were healed, which miracles like that did happen in the Old Testament. And here's another thing. You know, the Bible records it, it records things, but also there's so many other things that are not recorded. So the things that the things that we do and that we do know about these miracles that we do know about this is a side note there were other accounts and other miracles that did happen it's just they weren't all put into the bible so we don't know about every single person that jesus healed we don't know about every single person that maybe an angel healed we don't know about every single person that god healed we only know what we know and that may sound like a simple statement but it's true So, just side note, if someone had leprosy, they lost everything. Technically, they lost their job, they lost their family, they lost their status symbol, they lost the social structure in their life because they were no longer a part of society. They were considered the outcast. And believe me, when we say outcast, I mean serious outcast. Like if you had leprosy and you tried to go into town, you could be stoned to death. You could be killed. That's how serious it was to have leprosy. So that's why God is using this example with Moses. He turned his skin leprous. Then it goes on to say, "Now put it back into your cloak," he said. This is God speaking to Moses again. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. That is a miracle in itself right there. That is the goodness of God. God is showing Moses that, "Hey, I can get rid of any infectious disease and I can completely heal your skin." That's what God is saying. He he's saying that there's nothing too difficult for me to do. Put your faith in me and you will not have any problems to deal with. You may have hardships, but nothing will be too difficult for you when you put your faith in me. That's what God is training and teaching Moses here. It it's these baby steps cuz Moses I I think I think we forget how scary it would be 
to be raised in an Egyptian palace and you are raised that you are Egyptian and that you are a prince and that you belong in Pharaoh's family and Pharaoh's court and Moses is probably all set to marry a very beautiful Egyptian princess and then he finds out that he's actually Hebrew and that he has no business being in a pharaoh's palace in the natural in the supernatural he does because God put him there for a reason but in the natural Moses had no business being in pharaoh's palace whatsoever his place technically in the natural was in the mud pits at Goshen being whipped and beaten by Egyptians by the very people that he was sharing a table with in Pharaoh's house and people that honored and respected him so Moses went from the palace to the pit and he's about to go from the pit to the palace again that would be kind of terrifying i would think to grow up thinking and believing that you are a prince of Egypt someday you might be a pharaoh and then you find out technically you're lower than dirt based on your family heritage and then Moses kills a man he kills an Egyptian because he got angry he didn't like this Egyptian beating up one of his brethren and then his own brethren turned on him because in the bible it says that Moses came across uh two Israelites fighting. And he said, "Basically, how can you fight each other? Please stop doing that." And they turned on him. And they said, "Who are you to be lord over us? Are you going to kill us too, just like the Egyptian you murdered?" And it was when they threw that back in his face that he got really scared. Because he thought that he had done the right thing by killing that Egyptian. Cuz he thought he was helping his people, but then in that moment when those two guys turned on him that were israelites just like him they were hebrew he realized he didn't have anyone on his side he didn't have the pharaoh he didn't have the egyptian court he didn't have the egyptian people he didn't have the egyptian priest he didn't have the egyptian scribes and now he doesn't even have his own people to back him up they're turning on him already moses has all of that actively in his memory at the forefront of his mind when he's when he's talking to God and he's asking these questions like why would these people believe me why would they follow me what why why would they listen to anything i have to say because moses i have no doubt is thinking about those two guys that turned on him that threw it in his face that he had killed an egyptian so moses is is lacking some courage here So what God is doing with these examples of turning the staff into a snake then turning the snake back into a staff turning his hand leprous and then turning his hand his leprous hand back into beautiful skin normal skin God is teaching Moses to not fear He's reminding him that he has everything under control. He's going to be fine. And God is basically letting him know 
that God knows for a fact he picked the right person when he picked Moses. But Moses is is not completely sure of himself. He's probably a little rattled. I mean, can you imagine the first, I don't know, 25 to 30 years of your life living in a lap of luxury? And then all of a sudden you get thrown into a pit of slavery and then you have to run for your life. And so you get thrown into a completely different kind of life, a completely different lifestyle. You have to start all over from nothing. From nothing. And so he was running as a fugitive, basically. So I have no doubt that Moses was very scared. that you know what if these people find out you know about this egyptian i mean that would definitely be at the forefront of his mind but here's the thing god never sends us into situations without having a way out for us that's the love of god he's never going to send you into something that you can't handle and if it gets too heated or too dangerous God always provides a way out and that's what he did with Moses See even though Moses made a big mistake by killing that Egyptian God got him out of that situation Moses fled for his life but Moses comes across basically these people that are living in in the desert in the wilderness they have their own way of life They might be semi-tribal. But God protected him out there. If you think about it, Moses met some really kind people that you know brought him into the fold as they say. This priest of Midian, I think his name was Jethro if I'm not mistaken. He let Moses marry one of his daughters. And they knew he was Egyptian. I'm sure word probably traveled not as fast as Twitter or Instagram, but I'm sure word traveled that an Egyptian prince murdered an Egyptian and come to find out this Egyptian prince is actually Hebrew. So then technically that made Moses a traitor to Egypt. So Moses really feared for his life that if he goes back to Egypt, he could be executed for being a traitor. being an enemy of the state basically but what god is showing him here with these examples and these demonstrations of god's power he's reminding moses that there is nothing impossible for god because the impossible is possible with god all things are possible with god and that's where we come into play as well because i i think it's one of those things where we as christians if we're in the wrong church or if we have been trained in the wrong doctrine or the wrong theology then we'll think that god is distant he doesn't like us if something bad happens to us he's smiting us we're supposed to learn from our pain and and all these lies it's just dumb i mean i mean what can you learn from being ill Really all you can learn is that you're ill, but God doesn't use sickness or disease to teach us a lesson. 
God wants to deliver us from all of that. And we see that here in the book of Exodus in chapter 4 where God temporarily put leprosy on Moses's hand and then immediately cured him of it and he was making a point with them saying even this horrible infectious disease that we know as leprosy is not bigger than our god our god is bigger than that our god is stronger than any disease so i would say excuse me in regards to this wonderful passage substitute leprosy with covid-19 substitute leprosy with a, a cancer diagnosis substitute it with anything that is is a disease or a chronic illness or anything like that and just know that if god can cure leprosy he can cure anything there's nothing that god cannot do and one thing that i often remind myself especially when i'm going through tough situations is i often remind myself and i literally tell myself literally i say lesley if god can part the red sea for the hebrews he can handle your situation you need not fear anything god has everything under control fear is a lie fear is the opposite of faith We are all called to have faith and to believe in the goodness of God. And part of the goodness of God is healing. Another part of the goodness of God is courage. And that's what God is teaching Moses here because Moses has a lot of doubts. Well, guess what? God doesn't think that we should live in doubt because if God thought that we should live worried, fearful and be doubters, Then that's all God would ever speak in his holy word. But he doesn't teach anyone to doubt or to fear. If anything it's the opposite. He teaches people how to stand upright, shoulders back, chin up, be courageous, have courage, have confidence, know who you are. You're one of God's children. If God be for you, who dare be against you? That's what God is trying to communicate here with Moses. He's letting Moses know that he has his back. And that regardless of what the Israelites say or do, God is there for him. Regardless what Pharaoh does or does not do, God is there for him. And sometimes we need to hear that. Sometimes we need to give God a chance to literally speak to our soul. And I don't necessarily mean an audible voice, but just allow him to comfort us because Moses what i understand from that passage especially at the beginning when he's saying what if that tells me that he needs some positive encouragement not negative bitter betty talk so to speak or he he doesn't need to be degraded because that's not how our heavenly father deals with us These verses tell me that Moses needed to hear from God what God thinks of him and he wanted to know what God's plans are. Especially if if Moses isn't sure how this is going to turn out. 
But what I like about Moses is that he doesn't end the conversation with God. He keeps that channel open. He keeps the he basically keeps the phone line available with God. And that is one of the first steps towards wisdom. Is to not ever turn your back on God, but to invite God into your life and to give him the chance to help you because he loves you. He loves you so much. As I said before, the impossible is always possible with God. Don't hold back anything from God in your prayers. Just lay it on the line, just just say it like it is, you know, like I am right now. Be blunt. God would say be courteous, but you know, be blunt. I wouldn't use foul language. But just be yourself. Just open your heart to God because that's what Moses does. And I think Moses is a great example, a really good mentor because even God recognized that Moses is a great mentor because he had Moses be a mentor to Joshua. It's important that when we when we try and learn from someone that they are the person that we are supposed to be learning from not just someone that's popular or cool or rich or you know the fad and I'm not against rich people I'm not against fads but I'm saying that it's important to be careful who you idolize because there's a difference between wanting to learn from someone who sometimes makes good decisions and fails a lot and then someone who most of the time makes good decisions and fails rarely you know being a good person doesn't mean that you never fail being a good person means that you learn from your mistakes and you do everything you can to never repeat that mistake again I think that's one of the things that made Moses such a good man was that he was constantly trying to be a better version of himself but for God so that it brought glory to God cuz Moses knew he was flawed but he didn't give up He was uncertain about some things but one thing he was certain about there was a God and he could go to him anytime and talk to him That speaks volumes big time for sure. But anyway, I'm going over a little over 30 minutes in this podcast, so I will go ahead and end it here. But until next time as usual, I pray that you are happy, healthy and whole. And if I don't talk to you before then, I pray that you have a wonderful and safe happy new year. Thank you so much and God bless. Bye-bye.
Life 